2: Madam Vice President, you want
1: to hang out with us and get your vaccine, vaccine,
0: vaccine.
1: And so I went to human resources. There are some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches Sub Podcast.
2: A woman's problem, if you will.
3: Hello, I'm Amanda Dugerman. I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Millie Tamarez. And this is the Betches SUP Podcast, where C-SPAN meets group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Today we have a super special interview with former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development Julian Castro. Uh, But first we're going to, we'll address some potential updates to the debt ceiling situation we covered yesterday and finally dive into Instagram's impact on uh, teen girls. But um, our interview, we we actually just wrapped up our interview with uh, the secretary and it was so fun.
4: It was, he's so nice and cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Super charismatic. That was just Uh, with these interviews, that's what I'm realizing is that, totally you know, for all the, the hate that people get for being politician-y, there is a charisma mm-hmm. that comes with being great at that. You know what yeah. I mean? And I was it. dazzled,
3: yeah. totally yes. dazzled. And I think like he, he talked to us from Texas. So it's 9am for him. It was 10am for us. So we probably got him like right after his coffee, obviously mm. right after his workout.
0: Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That that workout's necessary, honey.
3: <laughs> uh, so that was a really fun interview, and we will bring you that after uh, we touch on some updates. So we're going to share an update about the debt ceiling because we just talked a lot about that in yesterday's show. It looks like Mitch McConnell is backing off from forcing Democrats to suspend or raise the debt limit alone. Right now, <laughs> I'm seeing all of these headlines like McConnell caved. It seems like a very a very short-term cave. But so what he's doing is he's floated letting Republicans vote on a short-term suspension after hearing that Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema were being really heavily pressured to potentially a new filibuster to do this if necessary. He loves Manchin and Sinema. He has said that he prays for them at night and he is nervous that this pressure will actually work because we know Democrats are not going to let this happen. So it sounds like he's going to let Republicans vote on a very short-term suspension forcing... So that would mean... Sorry, I'll take this again. Sorry. So it sounds like he would accept having Republicans agree to vote on a really short-term suspension, forcing Democrats to raise the debt limit through reconcilia- reconciliation anyway, just not before October 18th. October 18th is like pretty soon, that scary date. So it sounds like there could be some short-term short-term solution, but
4: poor Mitch. I'm, well, first of all, I think the way this is being framed is really strange. Like when I was reading the New York Times this morning, they called it like, Mitch McConnell made a tactical retreat or whatever. And I'm like, well, this is the actual U S government and economy that's happening. So this isn't like a little war game that they're playing. So I hate all of that. And number two, I need to take a moment to talk about the fancy coin that, (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Because news came out yesterday that one of the other solutions that could be used to, (laughs) to help us, I don't even understand because it doesn't raise the debt ceiling. Basically, what they're saying is that the mint Treasury Secretary Yellen could authorize the minting of a one trillion dollar platinum coin and then the coin would have to be brought to the New York Fed. They physically have to deposit the coin and then somehow that would solve the
3: problem. Right. It would (laughs) be out of
4: enough debt that we could maybe but like.
3: I don't know. It seems like we even spend a trillion dollars. But what my question is, you're telling me you can make a trillion dollar
4: coin. We got student loans. Make the goddamn coin. Yeah, I'm make like, okay, well, exactly. I'm like, well, if the coin is an option, I think we should definitely make the coin. Like, I don't <laughs> understand what the like, I don't understand how the coin works, really. But it seems like the ultimate thing of it is that like. As they said in Whose Line Is It Anyway, uh, the, the rules are matter. made up and the points don't matter. And <laughs> like, yeah, I guess what I was reading online is that um, the the debt ceiling, which is made up, part of the made up debt ceiling is that they also made up the coin as a way to get around the debt ceiling if this were to ever happen. So it's yes. all just... It's all just a silly game. I'm
3: reading now <laughs> that they're like, oh, we should definitely maybe pursue having this available Making if necessary. necessary. But then I like, like, why did you say that publicly? Because now it's like, well, they've got the coin. I think yeah. I assume there would be like inflation problems if we just put it. But apparently, another trillion no, oh, really?
4: Because because the coin goes straight to the Fed and I guess just sifting a little bit in a little the bit. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That has
0: just the coin this in it. This is what happens, yeah. When I'm broke, I'm like, I wish there was a magical coin mm-hmm. that would make all my problems go away if I just print it and deposit it. Mm-hmm. And then I go to a rest stop in the middle of nowhere and I put a penny in a machine <laughs> and I squeeze it so it has Mickey Mouse on it or some shit. Yeah.
4: Well, that's my big question is what goes on the coin? Because I feel like we should have a say in what goes on the trillion dollar coin. Oh, yeah. Girl, I mean, I think Janet Yellen. <laughs> well, would that's go the on thing the is I'm like can we get Harriet Tubman on the trillion dollar coin? <laughs> I mean, At what's least. more elite than a trillion dollar coin?
0: I feel like Harriet Tubman will be on $20 bills before we'll Kamala it gets out. We'll see eventually. Yeah, we'll see it eventually. That that will be the thing Kamala does. But then oh, yeah. who
4: gets on the tw- the trillion dollar coin? Mm,
0: that's the question, isn't that's it? That's where they put Andrew Jackson. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> he gets he just, to just be on the trillion dollar coin alone they don't want
0: to piss off his family <laughs> um, yeah so i don't they, understand
3: any of this just how i don't understand how bitcoin has a carbon footprint like excuse me
0: well because they, the, because
4: they mine it with the computers, computers Amanda.
0: And, and then it's like the same like energy that's used in norway like that's how much fucking energy they use nothing is real everything's a scam
4: yeah everything's yeah. a scam y'all The rules are made up and the points don't matter.
0: You know, I hate to be this person, but I'm just, and like, God, forgive me. I just hate the fucking media. <laughs> like, I, I hate that everything is like, I hate this whole fair and balanced shit Or of like, oh, Democrats is oh, like, the, the Republicans are so genius because they're so scared of coming off like fucking partisan. And it's just like, Shit is getting so much worse. And it's a a large part of it is because of them and because Republicans are better at um, manipulating the media than Democrats are.
3: So we have an update from our producer that Chuck Schumer just said we have reached an agreement to extend the debt ceiling through early December. It's our hope we can get this done as soon as today.
4: Hooray! Hooray! I love when we have live
3: updates during (laughs) the pod. This wasn't as exciting as Cuomo resigning. That's the. No, that was was the
4: greatest. That was the greatest live update that we could
0: have Yeah, Yeah. that was. That was incredible.
3: I'm glad we don't have to talk about the debt ceiling for much longer because my memes about the debt ceiling underperform and it's depressing because nobody cares.
0: <laughs> yeah, well,
4: it's just one of those <laughs> oh, things. memes about the debt ceiling. <laughs> you know, a this sad is... phrase.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> what's he, What what memes perform well on the betcha subpage?
3: COVID memes perform really well, and things that are like things only perform well if they're super timely because everybody's like into it. Like everybody's enraged about the same thing. Like, for example, I was posting about like the Texas abortion ban memes for weeks before it went into effect. And I was like, well, that was dumb. I should have waited. Like, unless people are all mad about something, um, things don't, don't tend to anything that hates men, anything misinterests people love. That's our, uh, that's our game. Hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. i realized you guys i'm drinking out of a mug that has hillary clinton's high school picture and i was like trying to hide it from the secretary because it's weird
0: <laughs> uh, well, yeah, i have worked with hillary before yeah
3: exactly so speaking of high school
0: this has been <laughs> you know let me just say we don't get enough credit and you don't get enough credit, mm-hmm. Amanda, for oh. your struggles.
3: As we said before the show, I am a little hungover today. I am doing my best. Thank you for and Castro for carrying our show today. So, so, speaking of high school, because this has been a really Facebook heavy week, but there's one element of the story we've been waiting to have time to dive into. Actually, like the three of us, it's like every week, it's like, can we do the body
0: image? Sorry, Amanda's falling apart. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Completely falling apart. This is the story we've wanted to talk about for a while now, but the news has gotten in the way. In the way, and that is Instagram's impact on teenage girls, and to what extent Facebook knew about it. Leaked Facebook research consists of a lot of opinion surveys and interviews with teenage girls. Facebook asked teens about their impressions of Instagram's effect on their body image, their mental health, and other issues. So, according to leaked like slides from a slideshow that they presented, here is our negative impact on teen girls. 30% of teen girls felt Instagram made them feel worse about their bodies. It wasn't a huge sample size, but the point is that Facebook knew that a third of teen girls at least were potentially encountering content that damaged their self-esteem. A lot of these revelations about Facebook have kind of been like, yeah, that, that tracks, that makes sense. But now we know that Facebook knows about it. But what impact do you think Instagram would have had on you when you were going through these years, the teenage years?
4: I mean, I know that, even with MySpace, I felt impacted, like to keep <laughs> up with other girls' images. I mean, I was like very, uh, you can listen to my other podcast, The Rest of Your Teenage exactly. Self, to <laughs> yeah. hear about MySpace, my but I was very heavily into MySpace. And so like, I know that it was affecting the way that I saw myself and my image and the way I like related to my classmates even then, and it was not nearly as ubiquitous or like. It wasn't even something that we didn't have smartphones that it could like follow you around. You know, like Instagram is with you all the time. Whereas MySpace right. was just something I was like obsessively logging into after school. So yeah, I-, I can only imagine the sort of like cloud that it creates over their whole life.
0: And like MySpace, they banned it on school, like, like the school computers you couldn't go on. So you really only could do it at home. Mm-hmm. Um and I think, too, I feel like there's like there's no like awkward phase for teens anymore. I feel like they, they mm. all know how to do their makeup yeah. and they all know, like, have to have great hair. I think for me, um, you know, there is this like body positivity track that has been made possible in, in part by Instagram. But mm-hmm. like, I feel like so in terms of body image, like that's interesting to me because in a way I do see more things like democratized about different sized bodies and stuff. But at the same time, like I feel bad about myself career wise or that like my life is. And like, yeah, good point. you know, I have like, you know, thankfully I'm in therapy and everything like that. And I have the resources to understand that like, it's not real. And like everything on Instagram is a performance, but being 15, 16, 17, like not being able to understand that people face tune their bodies or that like, yeah, this person has a boyfriend. I don't, they hate each other maybe, or Mm -hmm. this job sucks or this and that. Like I have the, the understanding of that. So like, when I see these things that make me feel bad, you know, I know friends who are grown delete Instagram because they can't handle how bad it makes them feel about themselves. So I can't imagine what it feels like to be a teen and not have, you know, this understanding. And then I do think that because a certain type of body or look does trend on Instagram, like people you know, and again, it's like this highlight reel, Mm -hmm. like people don't understand that it's a performance, but also like that there's so much surgery and there's nothing wrong with getting plastic surgery. And I do feel like a lot of people are, you know, honest about what they get, but it does, it is skewing reality into Mm -hmm. like, you know, I think back that, you know, back when I was in high school and stuff, what was hot was to be real thin yeah. and like low-rise jeans. Now it's yeah. like this curvaceous body where you have a big ass and huge tits and like no cellulite and a plump face but no double chin and this and that, you know, and like no wrinkles, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I was just um I was just on Black Twitter the other day there was this girl at some event this woman and she posted a picture and she has like a very curvaceous body but her legs have some like the slightest bit of cellulite and everyone's like what the fuck Ill, this is gross and then people are like no guys like when somebody has a big butt they have thick thighs you know yeah, like, like that. that's a normal body but like it's fucked people up
3: because do you think usually those photos are edited because it's like Somebody has a big butt and then they edit their thighs, and then everyone's like, Well, why, why, how could you possibly have big thighs and a big butt? It's like, Well, that's actually what that person looks like, too.
4: Or it's like a Kardashian situation where you have just like full body shaping that's happening, like denial of it. Yeah. Like when someone's getting, and again, like I don't have any problem with people getting plastic surgery, but like when someone's getting it on that level, also like especially like a really rich, famous person, they're also like, Getting insane other skin procedures that you're not even thinking about, like to make sure that their skin looks completely perfect and has no cellulite. Like, there's so much that is also being done that isn't exactly plastic surgery, but is like outside of what a normal person could afford either financially or time-wise to do with their like body and time. Like these people are professionally hot, some of them, and like exactly are getting facials and lasers and things that cost like thousands and thousands of dollars. That's not the same as necessarily getting like a BBL, but it is contributing to a look that most people it's not attainable for most people.
0: Well, I think that's a great question. I mean, a great point, Elise, is that they're professionally hot, but the thing that's fucked up about it is that they're pay- they you know, Kim Kardashian selling shapewear. And yeah. her whole thing is like if you bad. buy these, and the I've heard that it's good, but you Listen, you don't like I it.
4: tried a bunch of shapewear for the wedding. Mm-hmm. I did. I mean, Spanx is the is the best. Holy Grail. Spanx is the top. But I've tried honey love, I tried a bunch, and skins rolled. I whatever. I didn't like the skins. <laughs> I did not down. like the skins. They, they rolled, rolled down,
0: down. Yeah, I don't, we don't good. like that.
4: And they sent me the wrong color. Waist no. trainer.
0: Terrible. <laughs> terrible. What was I gonna say was that their whole fucking profitability is oh, yeah, buy my lip kit, my lip plumper. N- not that I fucking get lip fillers every other week. It's buy my lipstick and your lips will look like this. Buy my shapewear and your body will look like this. But, you know, right? this was a fucked up thing that Rob Kardashian did. But, you know, when him and Blac Chyna were going through issues, he posted pictures of her getting plastic surgery right after, you know, um she had the baby Mm -hmm. which you know whatever but it's also like yeah he's like yeah she all she says is like oh drink 10 glasses of water a day this is the reality or something like that and i was just like yeah these people are fucking making so much money and that has nothing to do you know and that's damaging to teenage girls Mm
4: -hmm. well it's also to go back to something you were saying about how like because there is a lot of body positive comp content on Instagram. And you're right that I do think Instagram has helped to like make people see different bodies. But I wonder if that content is getting to these teenage girls, because that's also Mm. part of this is like Facebook has known for some amount of time that it's doing harm to young girls. It could change its algorithm to make sure that they see more empowering content absolutely like, <laughs> like it could do that it can do whatever the hell it wants with its algorithm so it could change things around to make sure that like teen girls are being fed <coughs> things that are positive but maybe that wouldn't make them stay on the app as much
3: maybe they should you make know? like a covid label but for edited pictures <laughs> like this absolutely. picture may be heavily edited and does not reflect does not reflect reality
0: but if you feel good, I mean, this is the this is like the overall critique of capitalism. If you feel good, if you feel loved, if you feel secure in your relationships, if you feel content with where you are, if you feel like you have enough money, what are you going to buy? You know what? How can people profit off of you if you, you know, how can Kim Kardashian sell you a targeted ad on scams if you don't feel like you need you know, or if you don't care that you have cellulite or stretch marks or any of that, yeah. how are they able to profit off of you? And I mean, that's, and that's the fucking point, right? Is that it's all about profit and like insane profit. It's not about like, let's break even or something. It's, we have to be the best. We have to buy out all our competition and make it the most profitable fucking shit ever.
3: Right. That's what we were saying yesterday. It's like, just be a big ass company. Just be a billion dollar company. Why do you need to go? to Myanmar and Ethiopia when they're not ready for this shit like just stop
4: well and also it's like Kylie is a billionaire now like they all have to now be billionaires right it's exactly. like impersonally in their own wealth and it's like at the at the expense of who it seems like it's young girls is who it's at the expense of
0: and they think it's so cute they're like oh you know and like It's difficult because at one point it's like there are so many evil men who are running this and like it's so easy to point out the young women, but it's at the same time, it's like, yeah, but y'all are complicit and y'all are the ones that are posing for your Forbes fucking billionaire, whatever the fuck. And then it's like, yeah, how did you get there? You know, and, you know, it's true of like posting a ghost of GoFundMe, like for your makeup artist who got in a serious accident. When you're a billionaire, yeah, like yeah. fuck you, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's totally crazy.
3: I think what you got at was something I had at the beginning of this conversation is so true. And I think like how Instagram impacts me is that it's on our phones, you're always reaching for it. It's like the messages that we saw, it's like I wasn't walking around with my us weeklies with an emaciated Nicole Richie, like I was encountering those at the grocery store, or if I bought them and there wasn't really the internet now. But now and I feel like this is how it affects me, like I can look at my phone anytime and see that somebody else bought a house or somebody who just had a baby looks better than I do. Like constantly it's constantly. And I have, I have done periods where, I mean, for, for my job, I can't really not have Instagram, but I did one time go a month without it. I was so much less depressed, less happier. I read, I read like three books.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, exactly like there, and it's tough you know it's tough because you do need it and it does make a difference and then people see your life and they think whatever yeah and again it is that like we are adults so we can you know have real come you know I appreciate that like I'm able to have real conversations with friends meet them up for coffee and we're allowed to be vulnerable to each other and be like oh actually Instagram's a lie or like oh actually uh, my house like has a bunch of fucking issues Mm -hmm, and like mm -hmm. or you know whatever this and that but like as teens you don't have the like you know, your brain yeah. developed yet to understand that why people do that or that everything you can't take it, uh, you know, it does at face seem value and stuff. like
3: Instagram could ask you your gender and age and, and users could decide not to give it that and then create certain, like, make sure that those people are not drive towards negative content. Like you said, at least like people like the, There are some interviews with some some women in the New York Times, and they were like, I followed body positivity pages, and my explore page was why I should replace meals with iced coffee. Why
4: is that happening? Yeah, like, that's not good.
3: Mine is, too.
4: And I follow, like,
3: climate change pages.
4: Instagram knows everything about you. Instagram knows where you are at all times. Like, it knows if you are a teenage girl it knows like, it knows, it knows, so it knows. everything. Yeah. It knows what style. it knows my personal style so that it can send me <laughs> clothes. Like it knows what I'm thinking about. Like it knows if you're a teenage girl, so it can definitely like be like, you know what? Maybe we put this person, we put yeah. more pro positivity content in this person's feed. Maybe we have, I don't like whatever, maybe our algorithm makes sure that like, Actually, dieting stuff just doesn't go to this person. Yeah. Like, you know, like they they have the power to do. I mean, or anyone. Yeah. But they have the power to do all of that. And all of these companies just want to pretend like they're like, it's the algorithm. And it's like, well, who fucking built the algorithm? You made it.
0: Well, and I mean, that is the ultimate critique of, you know, tech. And, like, that is the ultimate thing of, like, for so long, you know, the U.S. Is, is scared to, like, be behind in STEM and we push STEM. But, you know, as somebody who went to a liberal arts school, we <laughs> always talk about, like, You have to learn ethics and moral and Mm -hmm. all that shit Mm -hmm. and that it's not there's no such thing as being unbiased and like there's no such thing as being apolitical and there's no such thing. you know what i mean like these people think that they can just we'll just let everything do and they have no responsibility for this oh well if somebody else wants to see that this and that and like YouTube with their fucking radicalization of people. And now we have Instagram making people feel bad. And it's like, you do have a responsibility. You fucking have fought so long to be the main bitch in charge. Mm -hmm. You made strategic purchases. You you innovate in a certain way and then now that you have the responsibility you know now that you have the clout of being this big company you don't want any of the responsibility and that's insane and yeah you know my fucking my instagram explore page i'm so curious to hear what's on y'all (laughs) y'all's mine is like all curly haired styles like yeah plus size um plus size like look book shit and um nutella recipe you know like real weird yeah, chocolate yep. recipes <laughs> like
4: right mine is a lot it actually an embarrassing amount of broadway stuff no, to the point oh, where i no. really can't i really can't tell you any more about it um but it's a lot of broadway performance
3: <laughs> the first thing that came up when i looked on mine was a carousel about how trauma appears in daily experiences <laughs> so. Jesus Christ.
4: and some toxins,
3: and some doxins and some creamy pastas so but that's the thing it's like don't why, – why are you sending teen girls to see crap who can't even deal with it? I would I would have the wherewithal to ignore that, but you're not even – you're not even trying. Yeah. Okay, so stick around for our interview with Secretary Julian
4: Castro.
1: Hey there, Overwhelmed Foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life homechef.com slash fever dream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
3: Hello, we are back with Secretary Julian Castro. He led the Department of Housing and Urban Development under President Barack Obama after serving as the mayor of San Antonio. And as of the summer, he has joined NBC News and MSNBC as a political commentator. Thank you so much for joining us this morning.
2: Hey, y'all. good to be with you. <laughs>
3: How's the commentating going?
2: Oh, it's going well. I mean, these are crazy times, right? So there's always <laughs> something to talk about. That's the good part. Uh, the, the bad part is so many times these days, it's not uh, good news. Exactly. But, yeah. uh, although it is better today than it was a few months ago when Trump was still in office. So, exact exactly. Sure. Like, I know. <laughs> do, you,
3: do you tell yourself that every day? I know I do.
2: Oh, I, yeah. I think I and everybody, right? I mean, so many Americans now <laughs> are just like still breathing a sigh of relief. The sigh of relief is still going out of us. Right. Uh, that, that we have a president that's actually sane and mm-hmm. competent and actually wants to govern for all of America. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, compared to where we were a year ago, it's definitely a lot better.
0: Yeah.
4: Do you find that it is easier to make the policy or to comment mm-hmm. on
2: the policy? Oh, it's always easier to comment. It's usually <laughs> more fun.
4: That's why oh, we're
2: that here. Say, you know, more gratifying to still be there and feel like you're making a difference and actually doing it Mm. Uh, there are moments in politics and policy making where it really is like gratifying and you feel like you accomplished something but it's fun to comment on (laughs) it yeah
4: absolutely (laughs) that's our world so exactly
3: (laughs) while we have um a Texas native. We wanted to talk about the Texas abortion ban. Obviously, some some positive news this morning um, that there could be there's a block happening. You were previously the mayor of San Antonio. I imagine you're very familiar with the specific nature of Texas right wing attacks on on rights. They have a they they have a specific angle and energy they seem to have. But I'm curious, um, did this ban and the Supreme Court letting it stand? Did that surprise you?
2: What the Supreme Court did surprised me that it let it stand that it did not enjoying it uh it didn't surprise me that 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 kind of legislation would pass here in texas i mean we've had this right-wing uh legislature right-wing governor for a while it was only you may may remember a few years ago when wendy davis did that really courageous uh filibuster Uh, For hours and hours, uh, that was related to abortion legislation, anti-abortion legislation. And so it's not surprising that this kind of stuff would come out of Texas. It was surprising that the Supreme Court would let it stand the way that it has without, uh, you know, before they get to the merits of it. Um, Fortunately, uh, Judge Pittman has seen fit to join it at the district court level. And it's being appealed to the Fifth Circuit, which is one of the most conservative courts. But at least right now, there's hope and um this is just a very powerful reminder of again why all of us have to get out and vote and here in texas in my home state which i'm in right now Mm -hmm. uh vote these guys out uh, because it's long past due i mean these folks are cavemen uh they are living on borrowed time the state has changed a lot uh and you have a lot of texans that are living in fear right now because of the abortion ban and other things uh and You know, my hope is that it's going to inspire a backlash at the polls. Definitely.
4: Yeah. Yeah. My my sister lives in Austin and I know that her and all of her friends have been like really animated around this issue in a way that I haven't seen before. So I have hope for that as well.
2: (laughs) You know, it was really it was super encouraging over the weekend to see thousands and thousands of people in different Texas communities and nationally uh, come together to push back and march. And I can tell you here in San Antonio, like it's notoriously so difficult to get even 500 people to go march on stuff for whatever reason, you know, my community that I grew up in, born in um, and was the mayor of like, people don't march just for anything. Mm -hmm. But this past weekend, thousands and thousands of people showed up to march against that abortion ban. And that's encouraging.
0: Yeah, in New York people march for everything. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, y'all are
2: probably on the other end of the scale.
0: For yeah, sure. I'm from, yeah. I'm from Miami, but so that's more I think closer to San Antonio, but Sometimes you'll be at a protest and then you'll see like eight other protests combined and you're like, what are we doing again? So yeah. I, that. I
4: was uh last last summer I went in to get a COVID test and I mm-hmm. came out and there was a protest and I just joined it because it was kind of going on my way home.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> just
4: another Saturday in, in New York City.
2: It's like yeah. a recreational activity if you're totally. in New York, right? Or or
0: sure. uh, We're yeah. already walking. So (laughs) we're walking so much. We might as well say Black Lives Matter on the way home. All
4: right. Uh, Secretary Castro, one of the reasons that we have you here is that we wanted to celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month here on the podcast. Uh, I know your family's roots in Texas trace back to 1920. One of I'm Cuban, Millie's Dominican. One of my favorite things I think about the Latina community is like how different our stories all are and how diverse we are within ourselves. Uh, What stories did your grandmother repeat about emigrating from Northern Mexico? What are sort of your family's stories? You know, my grandmother
2: that I grew up with, um, she had come over in 1922 when she was like six or seven years old because her parents had passed away uh, and they lived in Northern Mexico. And so she would talk about, you know, the journey to the United States, Oftentimes, you know, sad because of the circumstances. Um, but also she would talk about some of the kind of uh, adventure of life when she got to the United, she would, the United States. She would always tell us ghost stories about seeing this this girl dressed all in white who pointed to a spot on the ground and then later said that they <laughs> dug up like treasure there. And so you know, she had both these, these sad memories, but also like these fond memories of growing up and. Um, in, you know, in Mexico, coming over here to South Texas, uh, that was all part of this era of migration um, during the Mexican Revolution from 1910 to 1920, and then right after that. And she was part of that.
4: That's incredible. And your mom was a Chicano activist. How did that inform your upbringing?
2: Oh, she was a hellraiser. Uh, And so the way that mostly that it informed us is that we were around the conversations about social justice and racial justice. And, uh, you know, if you'd asked me when I was like 15 years old, did I think I would go into politics? I wouldn't have just said, no, I would have said hell no, because I had to like rallies and speeches and boring three hour meetings, you know, and the, when the adults were talking about, I don't know what, we were like eight, nine, 10, 11. Um, but mostly, you know, what I got out of that was uh, that it counts for you to participate, like for to try and make a difference in our democracy and to try and make a difference for, you know, for somebody other than yourself. Right? And uh, I really valued that. Uh, but, yeah, my mom, even today, she she's still watching uh, MSNBC and I'm sure cursing at the TV half the time. <laughs> Still follows the news and all that.
3: Does she have commentary (laughs) on your commentary?
2: (laughs) She's always very kind. Yeah, like (laughs) a mom usually is, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sure, yeah. That's what moms are. Uh (laughs) she must be very proud of you and your brother, though. And you and your brother
3: have your Castro was your is your grandmother's last name, right?
2: Yes, yeah. You know, it's almost like a matrilineal uh, you know last name. That was my grandmother's last name. And my grandmother was not married, and so she passed that last name onto my mom. My mom and dad weren't married. Although, interestingly enough, my dad's mother also had the last name Gostro. Um, oh, so, yeah, I still cool, have Gastro. That.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. We love matriarchs. <laughs>
3: <laughs> For sure. Uh, that's the episode title. Yeah. Yes, we love we matriarchs. Love
0: matriarchs. Um, <laughs> Well, in Dominican Republic, we have a saying that, you know, translates to don't spit in the air because it always lands in your face. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite Mexican saying that you've heard growing up?
2: You know, there was one I heard. Um, it was, I think dime con quien andas y te diré. They're basically, you know, tell me who you hang with and I'll tell you who you are. Tell me mm. who you walk with and oh, I'll tell you who Millie you are.
3: Millie says that all the time. I'm
2: not sure. If it's Mexican, <laughs> as as it, You know, Spanish. I don't know. But th- I would hear that. Yeah. I-, I also, because my mother was so involved in uh, the-, the Chicano movement, um, you know, the farm worker, what was popularized by farm workers in that movement, si se puede, or yes, we yeah. can. Yes, you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, I was thinking of the commentary thing, and I was like, there's this saying, no asang ni hang a said. Would you <were> say <laughs> commenting is easier? And it's like, yeah, yeah. like sometimes mm-hmm. comment, you know, there's a lot of commentators who yeah, no asing a said translates to like they don't do and then they don't let people do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a lot of people sometimes online, and like you said, like there's so many people who comment, but don't actually do things to make a difference so yes. that was just something that struck me and totally. you and your brother are making incredible differences Thank you. um and not just you know commenting um <laughs> <laughs> you know online whatever yeah, that, um, yeah
2: we hope you know and, we, yeah, and especially yeah. Joaquin these days since he is in office and you know and i think making a difference yeah.
0: oh, for absolutely sure. absolutely okay so You know, like I said, Elisa's Cuban. I'm Dominican. uh, But uh, you're—would you consider yourself Tejano?
2: Yeah, I mean, Tejano, uh,
0: like Texas Mexican.
2: Like you know, uh, I think I grew up with different thinking myself different ways. Tejano, Chicano, Mexican American. Uh, I mean, I've never, I've never kind of been too set on one
0: Mm. sort of label
2: or another. But but yeah, I think I'm proud of all of those. And people yeah. use them in different ways, but definitely here in Texas, like Tejano is unique to this place, right?
0: For sure. So what song do you feel like best represents your culture or artist, maybe? That oh, you feel I mean, like-
2: you know, this yeah. is an easy one, Selena, for oh, sure.
4: Oh, okay. yeah. Yes. Because yeah.
2: Selena is like from Corpus Christi, Texas. Wow, She's yeah. Tejano. Uh, when I was growing up. Um, mostly in the in the early to mid 90s. I mean, she was a huge deal, and she still is uh, even bigger in many ways now. Um, but we would hear the music all the time, and uh, in the campaign, in my presidential campaign, um, like we would often play her music uh, because it reminded me of home and growing up and. You know, and, and it meant something to have something that was so familiar, even when yeah. I was like in Iowa or New Hampshire, <laughs> people would be like, well, what is that? Uh,
3: <laughs> Iowa in but-
4: February mm-hmm. definitely
3: calls for some. Oh my <laughs> some- God. Well, God
4: I'm not- I'm not sure if you guys remember, but I just got married and we had an instrumental version of I Could Fall in Love by Selena as our ah. walk down the aisle song.
0: Oh. So I think I we really nailed it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In true Latino well, fashion, I was I was late and I almost yeah. survived. <laughs> <walk through.
2: laughs> she had some great music, you know, and like was on the cusp of, of course did cross over in her last oh, album, a right. posthumous album. Absolutely. Um, but the impact that it had on the community, the Mexican-American community that I grew up in, was just, like, enormous, the impact that she had. And so when I think of, like, what really represents this place and these people that I grew up with, that's the first artist that I think about, for yeah. sure.
0: And I think she's yeah. such a good representation of everything you're saying, which is, like, Tejana... <laughs> Mexican-American, American, American, you know, like pure, you know, so it's Uh so cool. Such a great choice.
4: I always uh, relate to Selena because her Spanish was not perfect. And yes, perfect. My, mine is so, so. So I'm always like, but Selena also.
1: <laughs>
2: no, I, yeah, I, I keep commiserate there. My Spanish is, you know, not completely fluent. I understand mm-hmm. it pretty well, but speaking it back is, you uh, know, and there are a lot of folks in that boat and you're right. She experienced that too and had to get better at it. Yeah.
4: yeah and that, that actually brings me so like, segues me to my next question, which is what is something that you wish like people at large understood more about the Latina culture in America? I know that for me, it's like, I think there is an assumption that everyone speaks perfect Spanish and is fully bilingual. Um, what's something that you think gets lost or misunderstood?
2: Gosh, I think there are different things, but, you know, I think oftentimes there's sort of this one dimensional view of the community. Um, and, and a lot of times people think that that everybody got here five minutes ago, you know, Mm -hmm. that every every single person in the community is a recent immigrant. And we value, obviously, I've been a big champion on immigration issues and how important um, our immigrants are to the country. But we also have a lot of folks, whether we're talking about folks in New York uh, that came from the island, uh, or um, we're talking about folks in South Florida or here in Texas that have been here for generations and have been part of America's progress have done everything from, you know, uh, opened up their own small businesses to been artists to teachers to served in the military, all of that. And I think a lot of times the the, the misunderstanding is that it's sort of a one dimensional community that only centers around what's happening at the southern border of mm. our country. Of course, a lot of that is so important. But it's also a richly diverse and complex community. And I wish more people understood that because I feel like one of the challenges with what we see now is that if people only think that you just got here, then they don't think that you've made much of a contribution to the Mm. country, that you have a legacy. And and our community has a big legacy, all different types of of, uh, Latinx, Latinx people of America's forward progress.
0: Yes, that's incredible. Yeah, I think that's like the point of this series is to point out that Latin people are not a monolith, that we're so insanely different and have completely different experiences. And um, it's so beautiful. And, you know, it's so incredible that, you know, Your grandma came in 1922 and you know, I heard so many parallels from your grandma's stories and my mom's stories coming here in um, 1975. So, you know, there's still some similar threads, but for sure. There's
4: always gonna be a ghost. There will the always be a ghost. Well, my mom
0: thought Star Wars. She went to the. She didn't know what a movie was, so she thought Star Wars was weird, real, or something. Oh, no. she to, she's like, "What the? Oh, hell is that?" <laughs> she's like, "This shit is so freaky." She thought it was like a documentary. So similarly, like insane stories when you. But um, I know we want to wrap up, and we value your time so much. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, the last question we have is, um, you know. What is the most unusual thing you found in your fridge growing up? I think for me, uh, one time I opened up and I can't believe it's not butter container. Wanting butter for my toast and there was sofrito <laughs> in there. Uh, so I was just wondering if there was anything kind of weird you found. Well, you
2: probably, yeah, probably pig's feet, you know, from, <laughs> so from some menudo that, mm-hmm. that somebody was having. Either that or the fresca that my grandmother would drink. Like fresca, who drinks fresca? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah, probably the pig's tea that was in Menudo. It's
3: definitely unusual. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> so, thank you so much for your time. This was such a fun conversation. We're so excited to be able to share it. Thank you so much.
2: Hey, thanks a lot, thank y'all.
3: Thank you. Yeah, it was so great talking to you. Okay. Bye, Bye. take care. <laughs> Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman.
4: I'm Elise Morales.